ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the Sex Sales Podcast, episode 100. We did it. Two years worth. We made it. The, the, the century. 100. Wow. Thank you, everyone, for, so for listening, especially if you've listened from episode one. So uh, today's episode, we're going we're gonna to reflect a little bit on 100 episodes, but then we're also uh, most likely going to talk about um, what if the problem is you in a relationship? What if you've sort of come to that realization? It's a stark and difficult realization to make, but it's a very positive step. And if you are in that situation where you're starting to realize maybe I'm the common factor here in these failed relationships, what you can do from there. But uh, first things first, Eliza, you are, you know, you what are you, eight months pregnant now? Yes, eight months pregnant. Woohoo! How you feeling? Running down the days. Pregnant. (laughs) (laughs) That's all my life is these days. I mean, I'm sitting here at three o'clock in my pajamas on a Friday, so that should kind of tell you how I feel. But pretty good. How are you? I'm great. Yeah, just did a little holiday with the uh, with the missus out in Lake Macquarie. Uh, So it was very nice. Kind of first reveal on Instagram. (laughs) <laughs> I know, I was so excited. I was trying to tell Adrian, like, this is a big deal. And he just was like, okay. <laughs> cool. It was so weird. Like, 5,000 people saw the story and 2,500 clicked on her profile. <laughs> yeah, I could look at I the did. stats. That's so intense. And and, and she's private, so you can't, really, you can't even see anything. I know, which is really annoying. So, Andrea, come on. Let the people see. Mm. Well, as they say on, on so what do they funny. say on Fast and on Fit and Fresh? If a, if a girl has a public Instagram account, she's for the streets. She's cheating. So I got I got a winner, eh? Yeah, yeah. It's very true. Oh, that's so cute, though. And you Congrats. actually you came to one of uh, our shows finally. Yes. Oh my God. It was so fun. If you haven't gone, I a thousand percent recommend you go. I went to the Newcastle one and it was such a good location. It was so much fun. I took Adrian who said he hates comedy and he loved it. He spoke so highly about it the whole way home. Let's go back. So definitely go. Shout out. Shout out. (laughs) Comedy Untamed. Comedyuntamed.com. Comedy Untamed. Sorry. Uh, so we, yeah, yeah we've got good. shows in in Sydney, Melbourne, Brisbane, Newcastle, and Perth is coming soon. It will be on sale soon. It's going to be in December, and wow. we'll, we'll hopefully be hitting up Wollongong and Adelaide very soon as well. So neilkohatka.com slash tickets. Uh, sorry, that's the old website. Uh, comedyuntamed.com for tickets, <laughs> and you can come see us live. Uh, we may as well get into the sponsors on this podcast. So uh, if you'd like, you can fast forward the next uh, two or three minutes, but it helps us out. And these sponsors uh, have been very good to us. So uh, if you are a man and you suffer from premature ejaculation, the solution for you is Steady Freddy. SteadyFreddy.com. They have a wide range of men's sexual health products. They've got their famous delay spray. And premature ejaculation isn't just... Uh, coming uh, within 30 seconds it can be if you want to last 15 minutes but you only last seven or eight minutes uh try their delay spray it's all natural ingredients it's formulated by dr david reiner check out their website steadyfreddy.com they've also got condoms ball boost tablets wipes they've got everything you need so steadyfreddy.com use the code sex cells you get 15 percent off 
And as always, read the labels, use only as directed. Uh, we are also sponsored by Crush Organics, Crush with a K. They've got a huge range of CBD oil and CBD oil products. I use the platinum oil every single night. I love it. I sleep like a baby. So go to crushorganics.com. Use the code NEIL on that one. N-E-E-L. You get 40% off. That's huge. That's nearly half price. So crushorganics.com and try their uh, wide variety of CBD oil. Highly recommended. Use the code NEIL. And as always, if you'd like to send in a question, a shout out or a topic to this podcast, neilcolehatka.com slash podcasts. And all the money from those subscriptions goes straight to charity. All right. Episode 100. What are we going to do about this? Because I was talking to Eliza before and I was like, oh, we should do an episode where we reflect. And then I was like, well, what do we do for an hour? Reflecting. I was like, yeah, it's been good. Cool. That's the reflection. Maybe we should just share our deepest, darkest secrets instead. No, I'm, I'm, I've, I feel like I've already done that on here, haven't I? I've I've definitely Probably. said some things. So what, what other deeper, darker secrets can I talk about? What, what are your deep, dark secrets then? I don't know. I had to stop sharing stuff as well because my mum's mad at me for apparently things I've said about her on this podcast. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't, didn't realise well, she was listening so religiously. You've definitely said some things. Yeah, yeah. She's like um, offended I keep calling her a nagger, which she is though. Uh, so <laughs> love you, mum. But yeah, no more. <laughs> no more talking about my mother. I like that. Not backing down. I will. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But yeah, look, I guess another big thank you to everyone who's been listening from episode one, especially. And this has seen, this has grown a lot, a lot, a lot of people uh, who only started listening in from episode 80 onwards. It's been a big trend, actually. I'm looking at the graphs and a few of my friends, you know, they said, oh, when I, I first saw the highlights of the clips when you started posting it in 2020 and I wasn't really interested, but... I listened to one recently and I really loved it and now I'm a fan. So Aww. that's really good. That's nice. That's Thank you so to everyone cute. who's been sharing <laughs> the, the podcast. Maybe one day we'll do a live one. Everyone's always asked me, hey, you should do a live Neil and Jordan or a live sex sales. And I'm like, what are you, like why? <laughs> I would love to do a live one and then read the comments out as they come up and answer questions i think that'd be so fun okay well maybe we can uh we can organize that for episode 150 or something like that a big milestone i just find live podcasts a bit i mean it's good you can you can make it a ticketed event and everything but i i don't know i just i find the ones i listen to i've listened to a few uh like sam harris has done some live ones and and it's it's a bit weird, you know, you can't really get into a good flow um, of the conversation. But, hey, look, if the people want a live podcast, we will deliver a live podcast. Yes, let us know if that's good or no bueno. But, yeah, it's been um, it's been nice, I think. Like, at the, I think there was a bit of a teething um, aspect when we first started. Definitely. It was a bit more... <laughs> it's a bit it was rough. awkward, yeah. Well, it's because... <laughs> and, and, uh, Sorry, you go on. I was going to say, and um, I remember people being real like dickheads at the start, but then people started becoming really nice, started getting his messages. Um, it's been really nice. I've, I feel like I've made friends. There's been people from this podcast I've been talking to for like two years straight now that just are regulars and message me all the time. We always end up in chit chat. So it's been nice. Well, there you go. 
That's amazing. Yeah, it was it was awkward at the start, but that's because it was it's like you're talking about very sexual topics. And it's always going to be, there's going to be like a residual awkwardness. we didn't know each other. Yeah. yeah. We didn't really know yeah. each other. And so it was always like a little bit awkward. And then people were always yeah. like, oh, the tension or whatever. But no, it's just like when you try yeah. talking to anyone about fingering without it being awkward. But now I feel like it's not like in the last episode when we were saying, oh, you know, the technique of fingering is to finger upwards. And it's just not awkward at all. And it just, it's actually kind of weird. That we, we can just openly talk about that. So, you know what? I just realized everyone stopped. People used to comment that all the time. Like, I bet they're fucking, there's so much tension. And all of a sudden, it stopped. I wonder if it was when I got pregnant or, or like when we started talking more openly about our partners or something like that. But it was funny how, um, and weird how many people would comment that and only that on every comment. But Yeah, look, there was definitely awkwardness at the start, but it wasn't because of any, like, tension. It was just because it was an awkward, it were awkward topics to talk about. Remember mm. when I did a, um, a Q&A once, like a solo podcast, because you had, COVID, I don't know, something happened, and I put on my um, Instagram, ask me anything, and, like, 60% of the questions was, did you and Neil hook up? <laughs> um, and I answered it, no. <laughs> Hand on Did our not. hearts, nothing ever happened, okay? Stop with those weird comments. Yeah. Oh, that's just a thing <laughs> now. Go- that's just every, every They've time. They've been gone for a while. That's true, but yeah, but every now and again, they come back again or something. And did you ever get those with Jordan? <laughs> no, I definitely did not. <laughs> Um, I'm pretty sure most people do know I am straight, so I don't think uh, that would uh, happen with Jordan there. But I do get actually a criticism, of, uh, whether it's a criticism or just an observation, is like when I've done other interviews or, or like whether it's a journalist asking me questions, it's like whenever it's a female, people are like, oh, you're flirting. And I'm like, no, I, I, I'm actually not. I'm, I'm not consciously flirting. I mean, maybe it's just so embedded into my personality that it just naturally comes out through all those years of being toxic i don't know but that's <laughs> that's so like funny. In an, an ex-girlfriend I was, I was doing a phone interview with someone and i was just trying to like there was just some moments of banter or something and then she got mad at me being like you were flirting with her i don't i don't know what she looks like it was just on the phone <laughs> Yeah, I, I relate to that. I get that all the time. Not with you, though. I don't get so many of those. Actually, I do. That's a lie. I do get comments being like, look how she touches her hair. I'm a hair fiddler. I just do that all the time. Um, but it's I would have never portrayed or viewed any of anything you said. I can't even imagine you flirting, to be honest. Like, I really? just like, yeah, but maybe, I don't know. It's maybe not even it's that just good. Yeah, it's pretty awkward. <laughs> Yeah, it's so funny though. I love when people make those assumptions all the time, don't they? But mm. I guess it's just it's just a little projection, isn't it? They're probably hoping you're flirting with them. Maybe. Maybe that's it. Maybe. Yes. Yeah. We're flirting with everyone yeah. who listens. Yeah. It's all a big flirt. That's <laughs> how we get us regulars. <laughs> yeah. No, my flirting technique, I mean, I haven't done it for a while. At least, Again, at least I, I think. But um, it, it just changed. It changed depending on the situation. Like sometimes it was the cocky, funny 
kind of tactic and sometimes it was uh just sort of like prolong like prolonged eye contact but a bit extra to just kind of add a little bit of tension but i didn't know what i was doing at the end of the day i just <laughs> if it worked it worked i'm sure a lot of it was because people knew me as the comedian and so then it didn't really matter what i said they were just a bit enthralled yeah. which is definitely like a, a famous privilege if you want to call it that but um yeah, I don't think I'm a I'm a good flirt. I don't know who I'm trying to think of any of my friends are like a really good. You know, the guy you would have seen, um not da- not Daniel but Pat Pat Doherty, he went on first at yes. the Newcastle show. That yes. guy is a master flirt. That guy is yes. a very confident in the moment, uh vivacious, uh flirtatious charismatic man. And he's a very good comedian That's... too. So shout out to Pat. So if I'm flirting with him yeah. now, I'm gonna suck your dick, Pat. He's, he is good. My um, he was um, he was Adrian's favorite. Adrian was like this. He's charming. But I um, I've seen him a lot before when I used to go to local comedy shows, and he would host the one at Hive Bar, um, and I used to go oh. there all the time. And he put me on his mailing list. <laughs> now I get these oh, weekly emails from him or something. <laughs> for that long and I was like I know this this guy at your show he's heaps funny he's good yeah I can imagine he's got that kind of like suave like I'm tall and goofy and funny but like really he's got good game (laughs) yeah he looks like old money you know he looks like someone who lives on an estate and is drinking Chardonnay Mm -hmm. is that even the fancy drink I don't know I don't know anything about wine but uh, he's drinking the fancy drink and has a cigar <laughs> and is in like a private school boy uniform, even though he's an adult. I don't know what I'm saying. Anyway. <laughs> Definitely gets private school boy vibes. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, to, to wrap up this little introduction to episode 100, it's been pretty fun and it's been uh, very informative as well. And I've read a lot of books that I wouldn't have otherwise read and I've learned a lot of things and um, I'm enjoying this uh, podcast a lot. I'm enjoying podcasting in general a lot and I only really started it to to make more content, but uh, my uh, communication skills have improved drastically and I am now confident as a presenter, uh, as a host, uh, and I always just relied on characters a lot more. So thank you for being a part of it. Thank you to all the listeners and hopefully uh, many more centuries to come. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's hope so. Yeah, it's been, it's been a, nice, a nice experience. I think that like my biggest takeaway has been I remember when we were early days and sometimes I would have to take like weeks off in a break because I was so distressed about what people would say about me that it would like fuck with my head so much. Um, And now I really don't care what anyone says. It doesn't bother me in the slightest, um, except of course for Aaron. (laughs) That one guy (laughs) comments every week. I'm just kidding. I actually love him because... He's a very loyal listener and he's there every single Wednesday at like 5.30 p.m. Hey, straight after upload, <laughs> commenting some kind of troll or something. It does make me laugh. Um, I secretly love it. It's, it is funny. But yeah, it's, um, it's been a really fun time and it's been, yeah, it's good to like talk about these things. Like who doesn't like talking about these things? And I think the best part of it for me is how many people come and talk to me afterwards or listeners um, and they say like that, 
they listen all the time, they're regulars, they listen with their partner. Um, that's really cool. And yeah, so that's that's been really nice, I think, to, to see that and have that little community. But yeah, so thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks keep, it, keep it coming, Aaron. Because uh, yeah. <laughs> look, it, it was exposure therapy, wasn't it? It is weird when you first put yourself out there on the internet and then yeah. you're just not used to that yeah. sort of uh, feedback. But I mean, you get used to it. Well, you never truly get used to it. A, a really scathing comment will always put you in a bad mood and, and, and yet, to be honest, can hurt you. But it's good to always still uh, be open to, to criticism and, and you, you can it can strengthen you uh, it, it, once you sort of seen everything out there i remember when i was doing some of those early uh australia videos some of the comments were just i don't know if they were trolling or not but you know like brutally racist and you sort of get to a point where you're like okay this is just a person saying this to get under someone's skin and you kind of don't really take notice anymore like i don't those ones that are so obviously just trying to uh, they're just projecting their anger at, at not finding something funny or entertaining. I don't care about those, but the ones that actually do get to me are the ones where there's there's I probably acknowledge there's a bit of truth in it, and then I'm like, oh, damn, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's kind of true. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that all like hate comments, like the ones that are trolling, are are genuinely just projections. Like I think I think my theory on um, this guy's hatred towards treaties is that he has a we're still talking about Aaron (laughs) he has a secret sexual attraction to treaties that's that's what I think it is that's my that's a theory I'm going with so you know you can't hate back too much because people could be going through something (laughs) but yeah no but you know the trady hater Aaron (laughs) a whole podcast about him see (laughs) Any publicity I just is good love publicity. Every sing- if he stopped commenting one week, I would dead set feel like obliged to do a welfare check because he's just there every week huh? on clockwork. But yeah, it's um it's funny. But yeah. Anyways. Good vibes. Moving on. Yeah, moving on. So uh, <laughs> let's talk about people who've reflected and realized that they may be a, a, a large factor in um, a series of failed relationships or just in one recent failed relationship. Uh, basically, if you're the problem now, just straight off the bat with a topic like this, I, a lot of people who maybe are the problem consistently in relationships, I would assume wouldn't be doing the, the self-reflection work to assess that they actually are the problem. So if you're in a position where you've come to that conclusion you're already a step ahead of a lot of people yeah. who wouldn't be making that self-reflection. And I say this on almost every podcast, but you know, relationships are the place where we're just so vulnerable and it's very difficult to, to take that kind of accountability and responsibility in, a, in an honest way because there's also the kind of victimhood narcissism that exists and can come about. So you've got to be aware of that. But to actually uh, look back at some relationships and think, okay, no, it's not society. No, it's not, you know, men are trash or women are X, Y, Z. It's actually could be me. First of all, it's, it's very mature and it's you should be commended for just taking that step. So I think you're already um, on the right path. But 
what sort of things can you do after that? What should someone be doing if they've come to that conclusion? Well, it's kind of, yeah, I guess the first part is understanding what it is um, or why it is, I guess, probably more so. And I, I have actually seen a lot of people, especially on TikTok, I don't know if you've seen like, it's kind of like a trend, but not really a trend, but it's basically a, mostly young women um, filming themselves being like, I hate that I've been such a bitch and screamed at him or said something to him and then they show their boyfriend just kind of like sitting there looking sad and sweeping like he's such a nice guy like why do I do this and I've seen on a lot of like forums and stuff as well like women and men both and girls and boys young people writing in being like I know that I'm like this and I know that I'm clingy and like obsessive and I know I'm manipulative but I can't stop it um why do i keep doing this and i think it's really important that it's good one like you said to acknowledge it and two to ask the question why do i keep doing this because that's the thing that you have to understand before you can stop it um and a lot of it can come down to you know we've talked a lot in previous podcasts about our attachment um and our attachment system and what we are especially people that have like an anxious attachment uh, they're more likely to be a little bit toxic at times because they're going to need additional reassurance. In fact, they might need constant reassurance based on that. So they might, but they might not be able to have the confidence or maturity or just understanding that they can say, Hey, I need, I'm feeling insecure. I need, I need some, you know, reassurance. I need some attention. I want some hugs. Um, instead they do behaviors in order to get that need met. Um, so they might all of a sudden accuse you of being like, you, you don't love me, or you looked at this girl, or you shouldn't be going out because of this, ABC, like all these things. But really it's like, what need are you trying to get met by doing that? And then the other attachment style, or another one is like a disorganized attachment, um, where you can be kind of or an avoidant style, like kind of a avoidant, um, detached, withdrawn at times. And instead of like, you know, overreacting or getting sad, you might just be look at someone and think like, fuck this and ignore them. Um, and then that can be like a toxic trait, like ignoring someone and giving silent treatment is a big sign of passive aggressiveness. Um, and that that's manipulative behavior as well. So what is it that you're seeking in that? as well like is it that you you don't feel comfortable opening up that um you you genuinely want space that you think by withdrawing and being more aggressive someone will come to you saying sorry and i think that that is actually quite common um that i see in couples is that one person is usually the withdrawer and they instead of communicating what's wrong they expect the other person to you know, chase them a little bit and, and do the resolving. And there is, you know, statistically research shows there's usually one person in the couple that does most of the resolving, regardless of who's at fault or who started the conflict. And I think that that can be a really tricky um, personality and relationship trait to have where even if you've made a mistake, like you get caught out doing something or you've upset someone and you're embarrassed, you're ashamed, but instead you think the only way I can get this person back on side is to completely ignore them and wait for them 
to chase me. And sometimes we find that people that are literally cheating on their partners and then getting mad at their partners so that their partners who are the victims of infidelity have to come, you know, chase after them and try to resolve it. So it's a really like toxic cycle to be stuck in. So I guess by in saying all that, the first step to moving on from that is one, recognize if you are that person, recognize if you and your partner are equally manipulative in the relationship, because I guess that's another big part is sometimes we find in toxic or manipulative relationships, it's not always just one person, it's both and it's games going oh, yeah. back and forth. Oh, very likely. All the time. It's it's almost certainly, yeah. it's, it, it's not that it's, they're both equally contributing to the unhealthy nature of the relationship, but it is often mutual to a certain degree. I think uh, mm-hmm. when when a lot of the details of the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial came out, it, you could no one was perfect there. I think I think Amber was uh, worse, but it, it, Johnny wasn't perfect either, and yeah. that was a perfect uh, celebrity uh, example of a relationship that. The two people clearly have major issues that they need to work out and probably shouldn't have been together in the first place, but uh, I guess that's Hollywood. A great book uh, is Attachment Theory Workbook. It's only 100 pages or something like that, and I remember doing it two or three years ago and helped me a lot. Uh, so Attachment Theory Workbook, I'm, I'm fairly certain that's what it's called. And if, if you do that, it doesn't take long. It will give you a lot of insight into the sort of person you are and what attachment style you may have. And it's, it's worthwhile doing that and trusting something like that because, again, in these situations, we're, we're very self-serving with the uh, narrative that we adopt. So someone who may be anxious, anxiously attached or be an avoidant, have an avoidant attachment style very rarely do they like to admit that. They feel quite justified in whatever behaviours they're enacting and it's exceedingly difficult to uh, get through to those people. And so a little bit of relationship humility, I think, is uh, required in these situations to understand that maybe what feels right to you, what feels justified to you is not always necessarily objectively right or justified. It it can be a throwaway from... Uh, yeah, in infant uh, relationship styles. And there's more and more of this occurring as, as people are overworked and uh, there there's a lot more relationship dysfunction and family breakdown. And a lot of people do have uh, some kind of issue that they can work on. No one's ever going to be entirely perfect. And I think everyone is going to be toxic to some degree. And you have to look at the situation and the uh, the context and, and, and holistically look at the relationship, not just one individual action. But I also think anyone, everyone and anyone can, can work on themselves in this regard. And it's worthwhile doing so because, I mean, assuming you're monogamous, which I know a lot of people aren't today, but your partner will likely be your partner for a very long time and probably spend the bulk of your life with them. And you want to make that as... Uh, healthy and harmonious as possible. So, got to do the work, mm-hmm. like with anything yeah. in life. Got to do the work. Yeah, and I think that kind of actually brings light to another aspect, which is really challenging for couples that have a 
cycle where they do kind of use manipulative tactics in order to get their needs met. So it might be like, you know, we've talked about previously how some people will be like, you know, you can't follow girls on Instagram, then you can't follow guys on Instagram, then I don't want you going out, then you can't go out. It's just kind of like tit for tat. And also keeping tabs is a really like um, unhealthy thing being like I, in the last week, I did this for you. I did that for you. I bought you this. You haven't done anything for me. And it's like, well, are you doing those things for the sake of the relationship or to prove that you're doing more, but I think what is hard is that, you know, we've talked about these relationship cycles can be really thrilling and um, addictive to a lot of people and being manipulative and being toxic is what can sometimes keep couples close together. Um, Not that I would ever recommend it or say that it's at all healthy. It's just that that's how they um, bond and you know especially when it comes to sexual intimacy what's really interesting is that we are sexually interested the most in people where our attachment is insecure or um, threatened with them so when we're having these constant disagreements or doing these manipulative things it's unhealthy for us and our psyche and our you know our emotional well-being but it's it can be very like invigorating sexually because your body thinks the attachment's not secure right now, the bond isn't secure. The easiest way for me to build a bond again is through sexual interactions. And then all of a sudden you're having great sex, but being super, super toxic yeah, yeah, you ha- <laughs> to one another. You have to listen to your brain in these situations and actually not your heart, <laughs> which sounds yeah. it sounds counterintuitive, yeah. but uh, your heart can lead you astray and you can fall for people that sort of have traits that are emblematic of, a, of a, maybe an absent parent or something like that. And it can feel very thrilling at the outset and another symptom is yeah the sex is often very wild and exciting and great and these these relationships don't last well they don't last in a healthy way and the relationships that do seem to last are are actually quite uh, you know they're slow and steady they start off uh often quite um there's not just a, a huge initial attraction not necessarily some there's always exceptions to this rule yeah. here but um it's it's usually two people who are thinking with their head a bit more about who they maybe want in 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 their life and who they might be uh suited to what sort of traits those people uh, m- may have and and they tend to have uh, longer lasting healthier relationships and sure there might not be the same visceral level of excitement on a consistent basis but there are also other tactics to em- employ that and, and it can often be a, that can come about over the long term which is very fulfilling rather than getting into a relationship and one week in you're madly in love and you think you're going to marry this person and you want to marry them and you want to do everything with them and and then three months in you're fighting all the time that that is not healthy yeah. at all so uh you gotta, you gotta be so aware fun. of that and 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 really uh take some time out maybe from dating if, if you found yourself uh falling into these patterns and uh, ref- yeah do some reflection and just uh, think about who you are, but also what sort of a life partner would be suited to you and what sort of values they may have. And maybe don't make like a detailed list per se, but but 
have some things in mind about what you might be looking for rather than just excitement and thrill because it's not going to last. Mm. Mm, exactly, yeah. I mean, there's always kind of like a a challenge with that for people that are stuck in this kind of cycle and and behaviours is that they will sit down to write a list and they will write a list of um, saying, I want a leader, I want a dominant person, I want things that basically the traits that you might find unhealthy could kind of be viewed as in a healthy way. So it is a bit tricky when things like that happen. I think it's also important to understand like where did you learn these um, unhealthy relationship patterns and it's usually one from like a teenage relationship that you've had or an unhealthy relationship and that's how you learn to communicate with one another so you've stuck by that relationship style or secondly it can even be just how you got your needs met from your parents so if you don't have a relationship with your parents as a child where you could say like I'm feeling sad I need a cuddle and then have that need met. Um, but instead you might be like, have to do something drastic, you know, pull the head off your Barbie doll or something or your favorite toy or break your bike so that then your parents will comfort you so that that needs met. That's kind of like that manipulation that we take into adulthood. And it's very, very common that we have these maladaptive behaviors that are serving a purpose for us because our parents wouldn't accept when we had just attempted to communicate it. And it goes back as far as even just infancy and, and newborn babies when they learn, um, you know, if mum or dad get angry when they cry, they're thinking, okay, well, you know, subconsciously or biologically, their body interprets that as my needs don't get met from crying. So they find an alternative way to have their needs met. And as a child, it can be something like really um, like killing animals or lighting things on fire or saying you're sick every single day before you go to school or just little things here and there. Um, so it can stem that far back, which is harder because it's a lot more work that you as a person have to do if you have those, um, those tendencies in your relationship. But I think the hardest part as well is that it also requires your partner to be on board and open to communicating healthily as well so like i was thinking about this you know before um just before we started filming and i was thinking about how like you know i often talk about my relationship with adrian that when something's going on i can very easily just communicate instead of saying like why'd you do this or this i can just be like look i'm feeling like i'm feeling sad i need a bit of attention or i'm feeling like insecure I need some reassurance but so much of that also relies on my partner to not turn around and be like fuck you're dramatic or oh my god here we go again like you know as a partner receiving that communication they need to be accepting and warm as well so if you feel like you can't maturely uh, communicate with your partner without them probably gaslighting and or potentially gaslighting you and saying like god all you do is complain all you do is need things then that's not a healthy relationship for you um so that's another thing to realize if you start moving towards communicating better your partner also has to be on board with that as well yeah and it, it doesn't mean that there's no scope for someone to question what is being um, asked of them and things but there's always just a, a healthy mm. way to do it i mean if you're exasperated and roll your eyes, oh, you're always like this, that, it, no, like, there should be a point where you can still 
convey maybe uh, your dismay at how much they're expecting of you, but there's there's a way to do it that's not shaming the other person. You can you can do it in a yeah. comfort and comforting and mature way. And that takes exactly. practice. It actually does. Mm. It takes practice because we're so used to communicating that way when we're children. And part of being an, ad- an adult is, to a certain extent, being in control of those emotions and, and being able to rationally analyze the situation and, and talk about things in a healthy way and, and come to a compromise and trust your partner, but also be able to stand up for yourself when necessary without it becoming domineering and, and, and finding the right balance to all of these things. And like with anything it, it it does take work uh it, it's it, a lot of people have this kind of disney mindset when it comes to relationships that you know everything's going to be perfect and the person's going to accept me just the way i am which of course it, in theory is is what you want from a partner but there are going to be issues that need to be addressed and um the more you read the more you can equip yourself with uh the knowledge of experts in this field the better you're going to be. And I think uh, coming back to what I said earlier, having relationship humility, understanding that, hey, whatever I feel like saying in the moment, however I may feel I'm contributing to the relationship, more often than not, it's a self-serving narrative that isn't actually objectively true. So you need to take a step back from actually how you might be feeling and you might be feeling, oh, I do everything for this person or uh, they're being they're being unreasonable, but it's good to sometimes be humble in those situations and and consider what the other person is saying. Uh, consider that it could definitely could be true, and and analyze that, and and always yeah yeah look talking to friends as long as they're not too biased and uh, figuring things out in a in a mature way. So practicing that style of communication is uh, is mm. definitely key. But also, if you do find yourself being exasperated and annoyed at your partner, uh, look, there's going to be times where you're obviously going to be annoyed at your partner. But if it's a sort of ongoing, uh, permanent occurrence, then, well, it could be the relationship, it could be you, it could be the partner. It also could be your lifestyle. And we are in a, well, right now, there's, what is it? inflation and things are very uh, volatile at the moment so there's a lot of stress um, everyone's experiencing and it might be time to reassess uh, your lifestyle and you might have to prioritize the relationship over overwork or, or make a tough decision but um, often just taking a step back and trying to analyze these things from a as though you're from a bit of a um, onlookers perspective is is I've personally found very helpful yeah that's a really good point actually to bring up as well as when out how does the outside events or emotions influence us as well in our relationships like i know personally when i'm stressed or like anxious or feeling anything kind of um not positive that if someone reaches out to me like if adrian comes to me for a hug i'm not one to pull away i just you know, I'm not being like, I need cuddles, I'm sad, but I'm very like accepting and I still kind of can keep it together and, you know, communicate. I'm feeling sad, like let's, I feel like watching a movie or something. But, you know, on the other hand, then um, Adrian, who has an actual anxiety, um, when he feels 
overwhelmed by you know the world or something that's going on or work stress or something like that it's so hard for him to be able to like still keep warmth and love in his communication because like as he describes it like when he's anxious his brain is so scrambled he doesn't know how to talk he doesn't know how to think like when it's really bad um so it also that kind of comes back to a being having a partner that's you know, understanding um, and accepting of that and realizing how mental health can play into it as well. And I know like just actually the other day, um, Adrian came back and he was a little bit anxious. I think he's been working overtime all week. It's been a long week and I think it's just a bit tightly wound. He was feeling a bit anxious. So we were just chilling, um, you know, made some dinner, whatever, like everything was okay. I was just trying to be gentle and help him through it or whatever. And then it started actually getting worse um, as the night went on. And then after hours of anxiety, and I'd be kind of pushing for him being like, was there anything that was on your mind? Like, is there anything that you know that triggered it? Did it come out of the blue? Is it like an emotional thing? Is it physical anxiety, like heart palpitations? And he said, basically what ended up happening was that he felt a little bit anxious And then in his anxious state, initially or straight away, immediately thought, Eliza must be so annoyed at me because I have anxiety again. And then that was the cause of what spiraled him for the the rest of the night. Um, Whereas if he, and obviously when he told me that, I was like, of course, I've never been angry at you. Like when you have anxiety, I've never ever thought, frustrated being frustrated or anything like that like I would never feel like that um and it's never taken a toll on me or anything like you know you should know this kind of it's been years like that we've experienced this and as soon as I said I've never been angry at you he was out of his anxiety like that and it was interesting to me because I wanted to say to him afterwards but I was like you know he's had a rough night it's not the time to instill a lesson (laughs) into him or a learning but really it would have been one of those things that if he had communicated that when that thought came in even if it's irrational or not a healthy thought and just asked me like are you frustrated about me being anxious the second I said no his anxiety would have finished four hours prior um so it's just one of those things where like I urge anyone to really really communicate what is going on with them and, and their emotional states, even if they don't feel rational, even if you feel like it's not accurate or true, you can say like, I'm having an irrational feeling that you're mad at me or that, you know, this is going on and let someone reassure you. Yes and no. I, I Don't you think if someone says consistently talking about, hey, oh, I know this is irrational, but I just feel like when you went out last night, you were, you were flirting with everyone if that is, say, a repetitive thought, eventually someone, I think, is quite justified mm-hmm. in saying, like, all right, enough now. You're being you're being way too jealous here. Uh, what do you do yeah. in that sort of a situation? Particularly that, that situation, what I just talked about, because that's yeah. a common one. A lot of, a lot of people will uh, get very jealous uh, and, and may even be aware that it's uh, irrational. I, you know, I was like, this when I was younger. I sort of knew, like, I'm, I'm being irrationally jealous here, but I can't help it. And... I wanted to communicate and I wanted to say, hey, look, this is how I feel. I know it's irrational, but I, I and I, I think at the end of the day, yeah, I wanted some comfort and I probably am more on that anxious, well, I was more on that anxious side of the attachment scale, but there is only so much you can expect from a partner there. I mean, like, so in, in your situation, it wasn't like 
there was any sort of external factors there. He just thought maybe thought you were a bit mad at him. But in many relationships, there are external factors. You know, I just feel like you're messaging other people. I just feel like you're going to cheat on me. And it, it, it helps a little bit when someone might say, oh, look, I know this is an irrational thought, but if that happens consistently, that um, there's only so much of a threshold people can can have. Yeah. Would you Would you agree? Absolutely. And I think that the frequency and intensity of the need for reassurance or even like that kind of like punishment, like you've gone out again, I'm going to indicate to you that I'm upset by withdrawing or being moody or whatever. Um, I think that how often that can happen is really going to indicate the responsibility that the partner has. Um, hi, Shorty. <laughs> the responsibility that the partner has in responding in responding to it. Um, so I feel that if it's something that is infrequent and doesn't happen all the time, your partner has a responsibility to reassure you and and tell you that's okay if that's what your needs are in that moment. However, if it's something that happens every single time you're going out or every single time there's something there that is triggering like a jealousy thing. And I've been on both sides of that, like as well, I've been someone that has had someone get really jealous every time I do go out. And I've also like, um, when I was like 18, I was so sensitive because my auntie had just died of lung cancer and I hated smoking with a passion and I was dating a smoker and I, I wouldn't, like fully admit and say that I was, you know, emotionally immature and I would kind of like guilt trip him every time he was smoking or with smokers being like, you know how much I hate this. Like, why can't you do it for me? Making it about me and also trying to expect him to resolve the problem when it was, I wasn't realizing this is my trigger and I need to kind of take into control is it him or is he doing anything wrong or is this a me thing that I need to work through? So when it comes to, if you find that, you know, um, you are that person. And then on the other hand, I also had a partner who was very, very anxious, not like Adrian, but he was, this partner was so anxious every single day that every day he would ask me for reassurance being like, I need you to reassure me, I need you to do this, I need you to do that. Like it was so constant that I was just by the end of our relationship, actually it was one of the reasons we had to break up because I was working um, you know, with vulnerable children and families all day and then coming home and having to really look after someone from 5 p.m. to 10.30 p.m. the whole time yeah. nurturing him, no, that it burnt me out so bad. That's uh, one of the biggest yeah. factors. If uh, you uh, are making your, particularly if you're if you're a, a man making your female partner feeling like she has to take care of you, I mean, of course, there are situations where that is to be expected. But if it's consistent, uh, that is going to be a relationship killer, and that's often misconstrued as a man sort of opening up and being vulnerable. There's a fine line there. These are all very sort of nuanced emotional conversations, but. Uh, they, there's a lot of men who uh, seem to to uh, have some of those traits um, now. Well, nowadays I don't know what it was like in the fifties, but it's it feels <laughs> like nowadays. And uh, yeah, 
I think it, it can come from them feeling like their girlfriend is maybe on a pedestal and they're quite insecure. Like, oh, what if another guy is going to hit on her? And am I, uh, you know, she's going to she's gonna cheat. Uh, so it's almost like a self... Uh, uh, they don't feel good about themselves. Like, they feel... They've internalised yeah. themselves being lower than their girlfriend. And at the start, that can be very endearing and romantic. You're this amazing person, this angel, I'm putting you on this pedestal. Yes. But no, that's actually quite a... Uh, it's in all the movies but it's a bad mentality to have you need to sort of have uh faith and value in yourself to say like hey look she's beautiful and she's incredible but you know i'm on the set i'm equal to her as well (laughs) i mean maybe not those words specifically but it's not going to bode well for your relationship if you and and for women who maybe get swept up in that sort of mentality where the the man's like you're amazing and you're perfect and you're this and you're that and uh, look again you need a bit of this in every relationship you need some romance but um if it's excessive it can actually be uh it can lead to the man becoming or and and this does go to both this goes both ways and both genders do this but I've definitely seen a, a prevalence of that mm. among my male uh, friends and, and acquaintances. And uh, yeah. I, I, I actually think it's, a, it's, it's controlling, but it comes from not like a place of ego where the man thinks he's in charge and gets to control everything his girlfriend does. It actually does come from a place of this man is so has put her on such a pedestal that he thinks... Every other man, first, he probably thinks he's lower than other men and as a result is very worried when she hangs out with other men. And secondly, is just so worried that the bond will be broken and it's so, you know, that that commitment is so frangible that uh, he needs that constant reassurance and it's just not healthy at all. It, it can start as romantic, but, and I've been there and it's, yeah, it's not, yeah. it's not good. So that's it's something to work a- on. Such a good point to make. And your analysis was literally spot on to my experience where at the beginning I, you know, I was really flattered because he would say things like I genuine and it sound to him it was genuine as well. Like, oh, it's, yeah. like no one's lying. I've never met someone as this as you or as caring as you and like he was so excited and it was so like nice. But then as time went on he would always start like if the pedestal kind of came in and he would start saying things like you do so much for like the community you do so you won this award you won this like you've done this um i've done nothing like what am i compared to you and you know we go into a party and everyone wants to talk to you eliza they want to pull you in directions and like i just stand here and it was like kind of this like self-pity but thinking i'm great but then just almost at some points disliking me for it and I'll never forget one time where we'd been dating for like two years at this point and I caught him out in a lie and I was really upset about it and I was but I was mature I just said like it really hurts me you know how much I you know value honesty and I kind of think at this age and at this stage in a relationship we shouldn't lie to one another like that to me doesn't cut it kind of thing and then I said you know, I'm going to, I'm going to go on a walk. So I went out and then when I was coming back to the apartment, I heard him on the phone to his friend and I could hear it all the way up the stairs where he was lying, making up some kind of story. I can't remember what it was, but he was saying, oh man, she's crazy. Like she's like so 
this about this basically like this situation that had never even happened. I think he'd like made up that I was jealous about a girl, which wasn't even, it didn't exist, the scenario, but I just thought like, fuck, I've been looking after you and supporting you every single day for years going through that. And the one time I got mad, he just spiraled. And then I could hear him playing like, I got to leave. Like I got to pack my stuff. I got to go and blah, blah, blah. Because it was like the second I wasn't high on the pedestal, he didn't know how to handle it. The second I showed emotion or frustration at him, it was like breaking him and he was trying to kind of sabotage to protect himself. So when I went in, I said, if you want to like leave, you can. And he, it was like colossal meltdown after that, yeah. like crazy, crazy meltdown. But that's, and, and guys and girls do that all the time too. Where I see women all the time say to guys, you know, you're so much better than me. Like you're so handsome and I'm so gross. Look at this. Look at my body. Ew, I'm so gross. And all these hot girls want you. And then do you know what happens is those guys start believing them and start thinking, maybe you're not so great after all, because all you do is tell me how you're a terrible person. It's not, yeah. it's not something that invigorates attraction and lust for someone when you're constantly telling the other person how bad of a person you are but really what that girl should be communicating is like you know i i feel insecure like i i would love like you to give me a compliment or something like that and just having the maturity to say that but like you said that balancing act of not saying it it's not something that you should be asking for every day you shouldn't ask constantly i want this i want that you don't do this you don't do that and thinking i'm being emotionally mature by communicating it all but really you're just making demands after demand after demand of what you need met in your relationship because you can't meet that within yourself yeah it's really sad i think they, these people are textbook examples of people who actually need to have a, more pride and more confidence in themselves and it goes against yeah. what they probably feel comes naturally which is that it's uh perceived to be sort of uh, endearing and, and the same as uh, being humble to constantly uh, deride yourself. And I think uh, Gen Y and Gen Z are particularly uh, good at this. And you see this on in classic TikTok where sort of anyone who exhibits any sort of confidence or uh, passion or uh, aiming for something a bit higher is is it's this kind of a collective tall poppy syndrome of like oh they're, they're cringe or that you know we're going to tear them down by and yeah. look i've made a career out of comedically tearing people down so i understand some hypocrisy there for sure but um it then sets up this culture where like if you tell these sorts of people hey like you need to have some confidence like stop thinking that your girlfriend is this amazing little flower because look, she's a person and yeah, it's good that you perceive yeah. her as special and, and, and an angel and very kind and lovely. And these, these are good things, but there's a limit and you're now sabotaging the relationship. You're going to, you, you, and if, if you do think she's that perfect, you want to give her a good time. And if you, you're constantly beating yourself up and wallowing in self-pity and thinking that's very endearing and, and romantic and lovely, it's not, it's just this sort of, ideal that's been um put into us from romance movies and disney films and it's really unhealthy yeah. you, you need to actually value yourself and uh as much as your partner and uh 
these things are all subtly different, but being chivalrous doesn't necessarily mean you have to perceive every woman as this uh, incredible angel that needs to be saved all the time. No, that's it's just about being polite and uh, understanding the subtleties of the masculine-feminine dynamic if you're in a straight relationship and, and, and you know, working on that and practising that. But um, if you do find yourself in that sort of a situation where your relationships have fallen apart, not because you've necessarily done anything stereotypically wrong, such as cheating or, or being cruel uh, or being domineering but if the other person has left you because you're a classic phrase is or you're too intense that's uh if you've ever heard that then i think you actually rather than sort of taking a leaf out of the modern culture and thinking like oh i gotta i gotta lower myself even more and be even more humble no you actually gotta stand up for yourself and start believing in yourself and having some confidence and and working on that self-esteem easier said than done of course but uh, books on well that's where I think self-help books and practices and uh, having uh, goals in, in one your your career in fitness in, in knowledge whatever it may be these are the sort of things that um, you need to work on for, for you before you can then hopefully improve your relationship skills at least that's how it worked for me anyway yeah, agreed. And I think another like aspect of when you're the problem, a big part of it as well as can be that when someone comes to you with something, whether it be a friend, a family member or your partner, and they're trying to give you not like criticism or feedback, but they're trying to communicate something to you and you get defensive and whether that be aggressive, usually in the set in with men or men. Or passive-aggressive with women where they might be like, well, fine, I just won't do this then. Fine, I won't go pick up your dog every Saturday or I won't look after your kids or whatever. Like that kind of reaction in order to protect ourselves and understanding that, you know, we've said this a thousand times, but we will do anything first priority, whether it's rational or appropriate, we will always try to protect our ego. And that is our initial physical response. So when someone kind of says something about you, you have to almost ignore or regulate yourself immediately to understand this is a natural response of my body. I feel threatened because that threat is shame or embarrassment usually. And instead of projecting it outwards in an aggressive manner so that you kind of trying to punish that person equally, you have to really, really step into a rational, calm, and logical brain and say like thanks for communicating that and then have a conversation about it even if it's wrong and what they're saying is genuinely offensive it's always good to unpack it and have that conversation like why do you feel like that what what did you say that made you feel this way what would you have preferred um and then say well you know I, i agree and i can do this or i disagree and this is why like it's really about communicating and if you go into relationship therapy basically all they teach you is how to over communicate like you're speaking to a toddler like when you say mommy gets upset when you spill the milk because this couch is expensive and then mommy has to clean it like it's almost like that that that's literally all they teach you in relationship really? is it that is it but the basis that degree like yeah, you have to talk to kind of yeah. like oh interesting not patronizing okay. with that tone of voice but it would be more like you know in an adult voice it'd be like um 
Neil, like it makes me kind of sad when you say this about me and I'd really like it if we okay, can do yeah, well, this. Okay, well, that's fair. Um, you know. A bit different <laughs> but to it's, the, top, it's, the top of voice. <laughs> do you know, but to you and I, yeah. that kind of style of communication could be normal because we're used to that and, you know, we're educated on this um, and we've been talking about it for years. But to someone else, just to have that conversation and say, it makes me upset when you, could we do whatever instead is that to them is like a massive over communication like way more than what anyone is typically used to yeah um and that's very well said and and i guess one final thing i want to add is that uh, if you do find yourself having you know any of these issues when it comes to relationships probably the 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 situation that is the most dangerous would be when a breakup has occurred or after a big fight because i'm reflecting now on some of the relationships i had and i was very rational and calm and i like to think a decent boyfriend when the relationship was great as soon as there was a fight or if i got broken up with then yeah the anxious attachment tendencies came out with a bang and that just made things way worse so it's good to practice yeah. just not reacting to your emotions immediately uh, and, and just having the wherewithal and, and to a degree the stoicism to just observe them and, and just wait. Just wait before you send a message, before you call, before you do anything. If you're in a really heightened emotional state, you're going to feel like you need that. It's going to feel like someone's being ripped apart from you and, and there's, a, there's a death that's about to occur. But... And it takes a lot of discipline to, to act this way, but just wait. Just wait a couple of days, wait even a week. Um, it, it's yeah. ju- you're going to say something stupid uh, if you, or, do, yeah. or even will do something stupid if you, if you don't. So be patient and disciplined uh, if you do find that you are the, the sort of person that may instigate issues in a relationship. And, and work on that. That's a virtue. That's a skill. And you just have to exactly. continually work on that. Um, so I guess that's my uh, concluding remark on, on this one. What, what, what yeah. What's yours? Well said. You know, return to your baseline before you kind of try to communicate, even if it's positive communication. And for some people, it takes 30 seconds to get back to your baseline. For others, it can take three days or three weeks. Um, so figure out what that is for you. Um, and yeah, just don't, don't react emotionally. And in in these kinds of scenarios, it's funny to say, you know, respond with your head and not with your heart, but it really is like, you have to practice tapping into that rational brain. It doesn't feel natural because being rational doesn't help our ego to say, no, he was doing this where he was checking out that girl. I'm going to call him out. Um, the rational person is going to say, well, why do you feel like that? And what is it that you want from him? And how can we get that? Is there, do you have to ask for it? Like, is there a healthier way? Those kind of things that you really need to practice until they become second nature. And, you know, I think my takeaway comment is that when you start this process, especially in relationships, or friendships, um, you, it can feel kind of cringy and it can feel unnatural um, and you feel like you're pretending to be a therapist or something, but you kind of got to stick through and then it really, really does just become your second nature. And then in future relationships or in the future of your relationship, you don't have to practice it. It's just how, it's just the baseline. It's the expectation. This is how you communicate. That's how I've started all my 
you know, recent relationships and things like that is that this is the expectation of how I communicate in my relationship and how I want to be communicated with. And that's like my boundary. And it's, and it's been very helpful because if I want something, an emotional need met, I can just ask for it. Mm. And it's really that simple rather than doing something passive aggressive in order to get that met. Yeah. And much more healthier. Yeah. Also very well said. And yeah, it goes against a lot of, uh, what most people have heard about relationships just you know think with your head not your heart but we're being told always you know think what does your heart say what listen to your heart and this is great for films but uh in real life it can be but i think more often than not you you actually should be thinking with your head when it comes to relationships and maybe in other aspects of western culture there could be more heart thinking involved yeah. but anyway yeah i think that's a good uh, a good point to True. end the podcast on a uh, hundred episodes thank you everyone for listening and for continuing to to listen we really appreciate it and um neilcolehapka.com slash podcast send in a topic a question or a shout out comedyuntamed.com come see me and a few other great comedians live uh crushorganics.com and steadyfreddy.com thank you to the sponsors we will see you for episode 101 see you next week